pages and they just trap you. And that is not where God intends you to be. That is not his plan for your life. It's not a plan for the church. It's not a plan for the Christian. Christians can, can get, in, get in these cages, different types of cages, and, and they can be doing all kinds of things for God and doing all kinds of things. But in their own personal life, they're stuck in a cage, and, they, and it's a cage of, of, of whatever, of trying to do your best, uh, tr trying to work your way to heaven, these kind of cages, and, and we're not called to that. We have grace. Grace has set us free from these different types of cages that we have in our life. The, the non-Christian, they're trapped in a cage of, of, of sin. They, they've not asked for forgiveness, and they've not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so they're, they're in, a, in this huge cage of, of, of sin. And until they ask the Lord to get out of those cages, they'll continue to be trapped. And the funny thing about it is you know it. <laughs> You know you are. You know you're trapped. You know you need redemption. You know you need something different. But yet you, you, you get so comfortable. Same with the Christian. You get so comfortable in a cage. And pretty soon it becomes home. And it gets harder and harder to escape. Dear Heavenly Father, as we open up today, Father, I thank you for the crossing of the church. I thank you for its people. Lord, we pray for all those many, many that are sick this morning. Uh, Father, that you would heal them and keep their families from being sick. <clears throat> that you just reach down and touch us today with a great passion of love that you have for us. That we might be able to, to show that passion in some form today, Lord. Lord, that you give us enthusiasm in our hearts for who you are. That your glory would shine that we would be the light, that we could help open the cages of so many that are trapped. Father, bless this morning. It's in your name I pray. Amen. See if I can get my stuff to work here today. You got it for me, don't you? To open blind eyes. This is out of Isaiah 42.7. I'll probably re re repeat this verse about three times today, three or four times. <clears throat> and it's uh, it's kind of where the, the message came from today. And it's to open blind eyes. And uh, uh, this is the church and what Israel will do in the future as as the as Jesus comes back. And it opens these blind eyes that, that the world can see. And we're called to help them. That blind eyes is a salvation. It's to open blind eyes to bring out the prisoners from the prison. Those who sit in darkness from the prison house. And that's your cages. That's where I come up with a sermon at. That's your cages. And our job is, is, to, is to open up, to, to, to give you truth, to give you an understanding of that there, you can have a life far beyond you can, whatever you can imagine. I'm going to read this letter to you in just a second. It's just a letter I wrote earlier in the week, and uh, explain a little bit of it as I go, and then we'll get started. <clears throat> It says it's a message from the pastor, from me. When eight years ago, when I came here, God gave me a vision and a and a, and a, a message, and uh, I never, I was prepared to be here with just me and Vicky. I was prepared to make the payments. I was prepared to do everything. Didn't really think God would. Uh, I wanted God to do what I wanted to ask you to do was bring people in to change their lives, but. I was prepared to do whatever God told me to do, and I continue to be prepared, and I'll continue to do that. One of the hardest things for the prophets in the past and the pastors of today is to watch people, to watch the, the brokenness, the cages that they, they find themselves in. And actually, a lot of people, they just put themselves in a cage, and it's, it's difficult. And in the, in the past, and the prophets, they, their job was to, to tell Israel the sin they were in, just like our job today is to tell the, the nation, the kings, and whatever the sin that, that's all around them is trying to destroy them, that God will, you will be punished for that. And in the old times, they were. They came into captivity because of it. And uh, as a pastor, you, you see the same things. You see people living lives that you know that they're going to be so hurt. They're going to be in so much trouble over it. Marriages that, that fall apart and families that get broken up, I see it in my own family. It's because the different cages that people want to get into. And it destroys their lives. You know why God hates divorce? It hurts. 
It hurts. It hurts the families. And it doesn't hurt for a generation. It hurts for generations. It hurts. You know why God doesn't want you to get drunk and do all kinds of weird things? Because it hurts. It hurts you. It hurts your family. And he loves you. And so his desire is for you to live a righteous life, a life under his understanding, under his glory. But as we know, most of us, a lot of us don't choose that. We choose our own. And so as the prophets and the pastors of, the day, of yesterday and today, we hurt when, you're, when the people hurt. But we still have to stand firm with what God gave us. No matter if it's our loved ones, no matter who it is, you still have to stand firm. And you know what? You don't always have to understand it. God says stand still and let him do it. Amen? Sometimes I've made the toughest decisions I've had to make is, is to stand firm with what I know God gave me. And the pain you see around it because you're going to stand firm and not give in can hurt. Accountability is love. Amen? It's a form of love that is strong. It's standing no matter who will stand with you because you're standing on God's side. No matter what anybody thinks or says or family or whatever, you've got to stand with what God gave you, the mission, the plan that he's gave you. You cannot change it for anybody but God. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Elijah with Billy Graham and George C., just all the Dwight L. Moody and Spurgeon and all of the pastors of today and the past, and they all went through that. They all had to stand right where God asked them to stand with their vision that God gave them, their mission that God gave them. To go anywhere else would not be of God. It would be of man pushing you or taking you somewhere else. What God gives you is between you and him, and you stay with it. Amen? You stay with it no matter what it looks like. So this is a letter that just came to me. I wrote it eight years ago through a miracle of my own body. That was my, a lot of you know about that. There was a sickness I had, a miraculous healing. God called, God called me to the crossing to preach his word. Piled by the door on that first Sunday was, was baggage labeled addiction, legalism, fear, guilt, shame, and many more, identifying the cages that hold, hold us back from the freedom God has for us. God called me out to share a freedom that many will not comprehend, and I understand that. I've seen it. It's a freedom that opens the cages of the heart to hear God's word of truth, to find a passion to search for God's gift and purpose for lives, to learn through the mistakes and failures to grab hold of God's glory, his love and promises of victory. God's message to Pharaoh was set my people free. The mission of the crossing is to cross over from the wilderness of man's into a new place where God, we're joined, where we are to join God and stand with him. Satan will set the traps. It's not of the, if it's not of the Bible, it's not from God. Amen? And that's one of the biggest traps that, that the church does. It, it, it starts to decide what the Bible says and what this is and what that is. I grew up in that. And I was so happy when God freed me from that. If it's not in the Bible, it's not from God, it's from man. Stay away from it. And that's what we try to do here more than anything. We may fail at times, but we try our best to stay away from that. You find yourself, once again, let me see, uh, if it's not in the Bible, if it's not from God, have nothing to do with it. We must stand and stay focused. Do not let man put you back into the cage of failure. If we fall out of if we fall out of ignorance, in other words, we're, we're not familiar. And a lot of new Christians, you don't know the Bible. And so you will make mistakes and you will fall. And it's, it's out of ignorance. It's because it's not that you're, you're dumb or silly or whatever. You just don't know. And so as, as the church, we're to help you grow that you can see things in your life that you never knew were really sin. That all of a sudden it comes alive to you and say, I can't do that anymore. That's not right. That's not from God. It's not, it's not a man saying, it's what God says. He says you can't do it, you can't do it. And it's not any preacher, it's God. And so your argument or your, your quarrel is not with man, it's with God. And when you're quarreling with God, you put yourself in a cage. And I'm going to tell you, you're, just, you're a mess. You can quarrel and fight with God all you want, but God will win. He will win, and even in death, your cage will not be opened. It won't be opened in death. 
it gets worse. If we, if we fall out of ignorance, lack of wisdom, or even pride sometimes, and find ourselves once again caged, God's grace will pull us out. Amen? But see, God allows me to fall from my ignorance. He allows me to fall from my pride. He allows them things to happen in my life that I can learn from those things. But he's there to pull me out. Because I'll tell you, I've fallen from all these things. But he's always been faithful that through the lesson, through the... Through the lessons of those things, he pulls me back out. He shows me. He gives me grace. He gives me mercy. Freedom, freedom, freedom. That's, that's what I always thought we wanted to bring to this church more than anything. Love the sinner. Hate the sin. Amen? Love the sinner. Hate the sin. Don't look at the person and, and understand that person the sin that person's in is a destructive sin. That's the sin they're in or the sin you may be in or the sin I may be in is a destructive sin. And God doesn't want anything to do with it. You've got to learn God's word and stay away from those things. So love the sinner, but hate the sin. Because the sin's what destroys our lives, our relationship with God. Meet every soul where they are. That's, that's a tough one right there. I mean, every soul where they are, especially the church. I've known churches where people come up and want to come to church there, and next thing you know, they're handing the right kind of clothes to wear, how to cut their hair. I grew up in a church that if you had long hair and a beard, you were, you were looked down on, and that's just not right. I'm looking at the heart. God looks at the heart, doesn't he? I believe Jesus had long hair and a beard. They pulled the beard out of him. So man can get so far away from the truth of God. And if we allow God to, to run the church, it will be okay. Meet every soul where, the, where, where they are. Jesus loves, unlocks the cages to freedom. Helps others break open their cages. Pedestals. I, I underline pedestals here. Another problem we have with the church is the church people and uh, uh, whoever... You can put a, 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 a pastor or uh, somebody that writes books, you can put them on a pedestal. Or you can put your own thing, you put yourself on a pedestal. And it's the worst thing possible. You can put the prophets from the back on a pedestal, whoever you want to. They're not on a pedestal. They will fall. And every time a, a church person puts somebody on a pedestal and then that person falls, it ripples down. And all of a sudden they don't want to go to church anymore at all. That's one of the number one things I hear is, well, I got hurt so bad. Well, you put somebody on a pedestal and they didn't belong there. And you did it. Don't do that. The Holy Spirit works in all of us. He gives us all gifts. He gives us all messages and, and missions. Yours is as important as mine. Use it. Use it. To God's glory. And don't put yourself on any pedestal. Pedestals are really nothing more than cages. That's where they are. And I'll tell you what, one of the things, uh, Beth Moore, I love Beth Moore. She does a great job. Uh, I don't have anything bad to say about her. But I've, I've heard some, read some articles where other people were putting her on a pedestal. And because of that, she's kind of slowed down a little bit. Because she's not on a pedestal, no more than anybody else. And we can't put them there. They're just of God. Amen? We're just trying to do what God tells us to do. Traps, and they're part of traps that hold us, using whatever sin we struggle with. So don't allow them in your life. Jesus died to set us free. Amen? Here's this verse again. To open blind eyes, to bring the prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. The crossing where the Holy Spirit of God lives, it lives on here. Whether how long I'll be here or how long you'll be here, it's started of God it will live on. Amen? God will take care of it. Whether you and I are free to tell God, we're free to tell our God stories, which I talk about a lot here. Where love can hurt. Everybody say, where love can hurt. Where love can hurt. But through the pain, we grow stronger in our faith and loyalty. Love, peace, hope, 
and eternity are not words to build a false truth. And those words I just use are, are kind of Christianese words. That's what Christians use a lot. They're not false words. It's what we live by. It's what we live by. It's who we are. Love, peace, hope, and eternity are not words to build a false truth. They are alive. In Deuteronomy 32, 47, which is our verse for the church, it says, For it is not a futile thing for you, because it is your life. And by the, this word you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. And that's that walking in the wilderness for so many years, we're to cross over out of the wilderness because of man's destruction. Cross over to where God wants us to be. That's how we got our name in this church. May God bless the crossing throughout the coming year with the freedom to go and be. You are loved and appreciated more than you could ever know. And I thank you for allowing me to be your pastor. Oh, yeah, you can. Christ's redemption plan has, has the power to set you free from all the shadowy cages of your past. And these cages can be this shadow darkness cages that you, you get in there and you, you get in there, you can make it a little comfortable, you may put a little bed in there for you. You may do whatever you want, you try to make it as comfortable as you can. But the bottom line is the door's shut and you're still inside. And you try and you try and you try and you do and you do and you do. And you get into programs and you do plans and you do this and you do that. But yet in the darkness of the night, when the blankets are pulled up around your chin and you're sitting there and you're thinking, is there a God? And if there's a God, how come he's not helping me? The answer is there is a God and he is helping you. You're finally talking to him. You're finally searching you're finally saying something to him now from that point on you need to listen to god you get these little goosebumps in your heart i'm getting them right now you just you need to know that god loves you and he wants to talk to you he wants you out of the cage he's got the key he's got he can open the door he can pull you out to destroy your cage and you know it and you know it but the hold of that cage and the hold of that darkness, it's hard to let go of, isn't it? The Christian that wants to continue to climb back into the cage of legalism because it makes him feel good, because they're doing something they, they can see, in reality is destructive. Traditions, I love traditions, are good traditions out there. It's a wonderful tradition. Every tradition in the Bible is wonderful and perfect. But there's so many traditions in different religions that make you understand, almost, you almost believe, and some people do, that if they do this, this, and this, they're okay. That's not what God's Word says. Now, we, 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 do, we quit sinning when we become saved, even though we still sin sometimes. But we don't want to anymore. Things change. So Christ's redemption plan has the power to set you free all the shadowy cages of your past. The crossing was established with three very clear goals defined by God. To show the lost a better future. Amen? And I hope we've done that. We've had a lot of people come through this church. I still get phone calls from people in the past. I got one yesterday. I was heading to Braden's uh, basketball game, and I got a phone call, and I stopped there right before I got in the gym and talked to a lady named Kelly Martin. Some of you may remember that name, some of you not. From Job Corps, yeah. She's coming back. She'll be at the Job Corps next week. Her grandmother, which lives down here, died, and she wanted the church to be praying for her. Her name's Kelly Martin. Uh, She's been in Montana for several years, and she's, uh, she's actually going to be back into this church probably, I think, next Sunday. So, to show the lost a better future through the redemption of Christ, to set free those trapped by man's own thoughts of God. One of the biggest problems with man is it gets his own thoughts, 
of what God is and who God is and how God works. And it, it doesn't line up with the Bible. Leaving righteousness through legalism and traditions behind to cross from the wilderness of death to the victory of God's glory. And that's where we're at. In, 40, in Isaiah 41 through 4, this, these few verses here this is about the Messiah. It's about Jesus Christ. And that's what Isaiah is talking about. That's what he's sharing with us. Behold, my servant. And he's, he's prophesizing into the future. And as we call it, the, the, the first advent, when Jesus Christ was born and lived upon the earth. And that's what he's talking about. Israel is a mess, just like the United States. It's a total mess. It's turned away from God, just like we have. It's completely a mess. The people have turned away from God. We got church after church that has turned away from God. They're letting different religions come in and use their church building that are not of the same God. Just go to Columbus. You'll read it on their billboards. It's there. Just like then. Just like then, we are now. And just like the prophets then, the pastors and the evangelists and the teachers and the leaders and the lay leaders are still spreading, saying, we can't do this. It's got to go differently. We have the Messiah. We have Christ, the Savior. We shouldn't be doing these things. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, and it's God talking about his son, Jesus Christ. My elect, which Jesus is the elect, the perfect one. One in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. Now, most of you know the story of John the Baptist when Jesus was baptized and the, we have the dove that came down and the Holy Spirit and God talks about this is my son and I'm well pleased. That's what that was representing, that prophecy as he was being baptized and the spirit come upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. The Gentiles, everybody say us. Us. Now we got to look at the word justice. See, justice is a powerful word because everybody wants justice, don't we? The, the laws we live by are set up for justice. Now, we're talking about a different law. We're talking about God's law here. It says, he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He's going to make things right. And that's what he's done. When Christ came down and lived among us and died upon that, he offered us salvation. He's offered us a way back to him. Now, the only justice that can do, we can't, we can't get justice except through Christ. You can't get it through a man. You can't get it through projects or anything else. It comes through Jesus Christ. I put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out. Now, I want to tell you something. This is Jesus when he lived on the earth is what he's talking about here. Jesus lived on the earth and he says he will not cry out. He's not He's not going to complain. He's not going to, he's not going to, oh, what's the right words? Jesus never owned a camel. He never owned anything. At 30 years old, he started a ministry that would last three years. He walked a couple hundred miles. That was the farthest he ever got away from his home. Never got any farther than that. He never had a, Facebook. He never had social media. He never had anything. He had who he was. God. Amen? Amen. Now, y'all don't want to believe in Jesus, whoever you are. You tell me how a man, just a man, if that's what you want to believe, can never go anywhere very far from his home, never own anything, pretty much walk around in dirty robes, but yet more has been written about him and more hate him than any man that's ever lived. You tell me how that works, if he's not God. Just write him off. No big deal. You can't. You can't write him off. You can't destroy him. You can't do anything because he's God. He will bring forth justice. He will. And he did. To the Gentiles, he will not cry out nor raise his voice. Jesus never, never ruled an army. He never was a general. He never did anything like it. He never, no military experience, nothing like that. But yet, 
billions follow him. Isn't that remarkable? And you want to tell me that Jesus is not just a man? Well, you figure that out, because I sure can't. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. We know who Jesus Christ is. You know who he is. Like I said, in the deep, nar- deep dark nights, as you're just spending time with you, trying to figure out your life, and, the, and you can start, if you just take the minute today and think about the cages that your life has been in and how to escape out of them, you know that there's a God. And for you that are, are hurting, and I hurt too all the time with different aspects of my life and different things, when, when Satan wants to destroy that and take that away from you, you sit there in the night, you know there's a God. And you may want to put yourself in a cage and hide yourself from the world and all the things going around you, but the reality is there's a God and he loves you, and that's not where we belong. Amen? Amen. He opened up this church to set people free. And if we can't be free, then how are we going to help other people be free? We have to destroy the cages, allow God to do it. Or cause his voice to be heard in the street. He wasn't a dictator. He wasn't a big mouth. He was just a man that loved people. A God man that loved people. And that love and, the, and those healing things that he did, oh my goodness, they drawed people towards him. You know, if we have enough love, people will come around that. You know that? Don't you like people that just have a smile on their face and just happy and loving all the time? Those are easy people to be around, aren't they? Versus a person that is always complaining, always negative, always in trouble, always in drama. Those people are hard to be around. It's hard to even love them. Jesus wasn't like that. He didn't have drama around him. Although Satan sure tried to bring it. He loved people where they were at. And he helped them that way. A bruised, he, a bruised reed he will not break. And smoking the flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. Now let me explain that to you a little bit. There were people hurting. People in pain. People that were blind. People that were that couldn't hear. There were people that were, their families, their daughters, and other things were sick and dying. And as Jesus loved on the earth, walked on the earth and loved on this earth, he would heal those people. He wasn't going to beat them down even more. He wasn't going to put out, that flax is, is like, a, like a candle. He wasn't going to put out the flame, their only hope. He wasn't going to beat them down more and say, boy, here you go, just more pain and more sorrow. That wasn't what he was about. He was about lifting them up, encouraging them, showing them something different. He healed people. He set people free. He healed the lepers. He healed everybody he could heal. Everyone that was called to him, he healed. So they could see who he was. No man on earth could ever do anything like that. You say, well, I don't really believe all that. There's eyewitness after eyewitness after eyewitness that saw that. So if you don't believe that, then take our justice system today and just throw it right out because we live by the same justice system. Eyewitnesses. Jesus is alive. He's real. And you know it in the deep, dark nights. You know it. And some of you live in those cages and you want out of them so desperately that you'll cry and pray to get out of them. But yet when the door opens, you don't want to walk out. You've got comfortable. You've made a home there. That doesn't make it right. Amen? And those churches about helping people out of their cages. Bruised reed, he will not break. He doesn't want to break you down. He want to lift you up. A smoking flax, he will not quench. He doesn't want to put your lights out. He wants to make them bright. 
He will bring forth justice for truth. His truth is the word of God. Amen? Brad had to go to a, some of you already know this probably, had to go to a, what was it, Bill? This week at court? Huh? Jury duty. Yeah, sorry, I can't remember that. He had to go to jury duty up in uh, Franklin, I believe, right? Franklin, yeah. And uh, it was about a young lady that was uh, a drunk driver. She was drunk, killed somebody. Horrible thing. So that, that everybody thinks drinking is no big deal. There, that just destroyed several families, didn't it? That act just destroyed several families. So don't tell me it's okay. The rest of her life is total destroyed. Just a young girl. And the person she killed and the families of that just totally destroyed because we glorify it as we sit and sip in our cages. Anyway, Brad went to there and and one of the questions they asked him was, do you believe in absolute truth? In other words, the the, the lawyer on her side, on, on this girl's side, was doing everything he can to, to try to find a jury that would not believe that, that, that black and white, that she did it, she's guilty, she's going to pay the penalty for it. And so he asked the question, do you believe in absolute truth? And Brad answered, yeah, the Bible. Yeah, the Bible. Guess what? Brad didn't make the jury. He didn't make the jury. The world would have you believe there's no absolute truth. And in today's society, if you just open your mind just a little bit and hear the media and all the things are at, there's nothing absolute anymore. Everything can be figured out. And every one of those things that can be figured out, women, when you could go around and abuse women, well, maybe they deserved it, you'll hear. Or maybe they shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that. And see, they're trying to figure this out. They're trying to... To, to stay in that cage is total destruction. God wants to love you and lift you up and not put out your light. He will bring forth justice of truth. His word and the justice of his laws will come true. The, the, the second advent, that's Jesus' is coming, is coming. Amen? It's coming. In that point, everything will be come to truth and justice. You will pay if you don't ask Jesus to be your Savior. You will pay for every sin. You will pay. One of the hardest things to deal with is there's good people out there. Everybody know good people that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ? It breaks your heart because they're so good. They are good people. Vicki was talking about a young lady that, that she knows very well. Does her hair, I think. and Just a wonderful girl. Helps people, does things, and everything, but she wants nothing to do with God. See, that, that they've made in their own mind their own thought pattern of what God will approve of and what God won't approve of. The problem is God cannot approve of your sin no matter how good you think you are because you have to have a line of what good is. And good is not man. Because the Bible says not one good. No, not one. So there, there is a line. There is a, a place that is good and righteous and right. And that is called God. That's called Jesus Christ. And that's where we come from. That's, that's where we draw the line. That, that is what's good. And everything else has to be based on that. If you start basing on what man thinks is good, then your opinion is as good as my opinion. And you say, well, I only killed one person. Just one. I just got drunk one time and killed one person. It was an accident. So I think God will let me in heaven. It doesn't work that way. You see, that's what the church is up against. And every time we hold accountable to God's word, to God's truth, we're judgmental, we're harsh, we're wrath. But in reality, we're love. And no matter if it's your family or whoever it is, you're called to stay right there on God's word, nothing else. He will not fail nor be discouraged. Jesus walked 33 years. At one point, he had people following him everywhere. 
who knows, he fed 5,000 and then turned turn around and he gave some real hard truth. You've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they said, oh, this is too hard. And he looked up and they were all gone. Except for the 12 that were pointed out. And one of them was Judas. You think we have it hard? He had it hard. He had it rough. He will not fail nor be discouraged. And we are not to fail or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and that is the second coming. And the coastline shall wait for his law. That means when they say coastlines, they're talking about the whole world. The whole world will see this. The whole world will be eyewitness to this. If we are honest with ourselves, listen to me, if we're honest with ourselves and God, with ourselves and God, in the darkness of the night, when the covers are pulled up and you're just praying of the cage that you're in, if you're honest with yourself and God at that moment, the cages not only start to open, but are completely destroyed. Amen? I've been in cage after cage. I've tried to make them comfortable to find out they were just, I'm sitting on tacks. I've been in cages where Satan's got a playbook, which I've used it several times, where he sets traps. I've got a little bowl back here. See, now that's called temptations. He sets traps. I, I've caught coons and things in this cage. It's not hard. You know what I do? Put a little bit of cat food in there. They come in there and they step on that thing at the bottom, which I can't get to. John, come here, put your finger in there. Anyway, they'll come in there and they'll step on that little plate down there and that door will shut and there they are trapped. Just a little bit of bait. Just a little bit of temptation. And Satan's playbook, he's got it wide open. He knows exactly. He watches your future. I mean your past. He sees your present. He knows what your future will be because of the temptations he can put in front of him. Well, so-and-so fell for this 1,000 times. So-and-so fell for this a hundred times. I think I'll go back up to the thousand times. We'll try that and make a thousand and one. And guess what? There goes the bait set in the trap, in the cage, and there you go. And you get so trapped in there because of that, you can't even turn around. It starts to eat at you and destroy your life. You don't know what your future is going to be because you can't get out of the cage. But see, for those that are out of the cage, the the, the Christians and the pastors and the whatever. For those that are out of the cage, we can see it. Those that follow God according to God's word, we can see the cages. We can see you heading towards the cage. We can see the bait that will trap you. We can see it. You know why? Because we've seen it over and over and over again. And so there, we'll step up and we'll say, don't do that. Don't, I'm going to hold you accountable. Don't do that. And then in return, I'm a hateful person, or you're a hateful person. When in reality is, I've seen you go into it so many times. Please don't go into it anymore. And then it's between them and God. We're honest with ourselves and God. The cages not only start to open, but are completely destroyed, setting us on the pathway to victory. Amen. We'll finish up here in a few minutes. Thus says God the Lord. Everybody says, Thus says God the Lord. Who's speaking here? Who created what? Listen to me now. This is our God. He's giving you a picture of something, He's giving you a picture of who He is. He says, thus says the Lord God, who created the heavens. What's the heavens? Everything you can see. Everything. So who created it all? Who says he created it all? God. The God that we want to follow, the God I want to follow, created all of this. Created all of it. And Satan, he just fell from it because he wanted to be God. Who created the heavens, stretched them out, 
galaxy after galaxy. You ever do any, any reading about how big the galaxies are? Because nobody knows. They've got these things they talk about, the scientists and stuff. It's enormous. And God created that. Your God created that. The God that wants to set you free created all that. And what he's saying, if I can create all that, if you'll believe I created all that, then why can't you believe that I can set you free? Why can't you believe that I can set you free out of every cage that's saying, that's saying you don't even have to go to the cage. I, I can set you free. Who spread the earth and that which comes from it, who gives, listen to me here, who gives breath to the people on it. Everybody read that. Who gives breath. Everybody say that. Why are you living? God, you know why God says you're living? Because he gives you breath. You're in his hands whether you want to recognize it or not. He gives you the breath that you breathe. He'll take it away when he wants to take it away. It's him. He's the reason you're living. Who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you into righteousness. You know why I'm saved? Bill, I know why you're saved. Sandy, I know why you're saved. Because the Lord called you into it. Amen? And it wasn't because of me or you, was it? We were just blessed. The Lord called me into it. It would have nothing to do with how good I was. The Lord called me into it. The Lord called me into it. And every time we start to put ourselves on a pedestal, I can't even control. Try to hold your breath for five minutes. It won't work. You can't control anything about your life. You have to have breath. And God gave me that breath. And whatever pedestal I put myself on is the cage that I've entrapped myself in. He gives you breath to all the people and the spirit to those who walk on it. Lord, have called you into righteousness and will hold your hand. Amen? So in the dark nights when you're struggling with things, if you'll ask for forgiveness, for redemption, and ask God to get you out of the cage of your life, the God that created everything, the God that expands everything, the God that came and put on flesh, that walked on this earth, that took the cross for our that justice could come, that we could go to heaven and be with him through his love, that he paid the penalty for the justice that has to be done. That's the God. I, the Lord, have called you into righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. That light represents salvation there. If you look it up, you'll find out that represents salvation. So I will keep you and give you as a covenant. He's talking about Israel, but he's also talking about the church. A covenant to the people as a salvation to the Gentiles, us. Now, at the millennium at that reign, the whole world will be under God's, under Christ's justice. And there's a point in time there. It's all going to be ruled by him. Here's that verse again, to open blind eyes. Our calling is to open blind eyes through Christ. Amen? Our calling is to open the, the blind eyes of people that don't want to see. If we're the church, we quit fighting amongst itself and quit trying to work its way to heaven and quit trying to, to do all the things it ne thinks necessary to do and just rely on God. Quit coming up with ideas of man's thoughts. Get out of the wilderness and rely upon God. Knowing that the mistakes and the things you might make, God will cover those things if you're doing it in the right heart. Amen? If it's not done out of arrogance or done out of whatever, God covers those things. He offers a lot of grace. My goodness, he's shown me lots of grace. To bring out prisoners... Look at the word prisoners. Prisoner is somebody that's in a cage or in a jail cell, held there without their own will. They don't want to be there, yet they're there. They're prisoners. They've been thrown in there. 
Those who sit in the darkness from the prison house. That's what we're called to do. In verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name. And the word the Lord, that's, that's something, it's not just the word the Lord, it means that he's everything to you. The word Lord means he's everything. He lords over you, he is your Lord. In other words, all, everything about you belongs to him. He's the Lord. I am the Lord, that is my name. It's not your name, it's his name. And when you try to lord over your own life, you have thrown him out and put yourself in a cage. When you think you know what's right for your life and it goes out of God's will, then it's going to hurt your life and you've become your own Lord. That's not what he wants for you. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory Everybody says, I will not give to another. You touch the glory of God, and the power's gone. Amen? You touch the glory of God, and the power's gone. At the BSF from, what was her name, Cecil? Or Cecilia. Years ago, right, Sandy? Years ago. She was so right. Because, see, when you... You want to claim what you have done. In other words, if you think you can get to heaven by your good works, you're touching the glory of God. If you think you, you, that the church you're in can do this, this, and this, and God will bless it, you're touching the glory of God. And I'm telling you, the power's gone because this says right here, and my glory I will not give to another. I think that's a pretty powerful statement there. Nor my praise to carved images. Carved images is those things that got you in the cage. They're what trapped you. They're the bait that set you in there. There's a song I want to play, and then we're going to close, and it's going to be up here on the screen in a minute. Uh, turn these lights down, please. And it's from uh, Need to Breathe. I don't know if you guys know who Need to Breathe is. And the lyrics are going to be up here. And I've been pretty much infatuated with this song. Uh, and what it's about is Need to Breathe is, is a Christian band, but they also play some secular music too. But uh, in their life, because they have have gathered a lot of fame and a lot of fortune and whatever, they have they have, by their own words, have ran off from where God wanted them to be. Searching, and they repeat it over again, searching for attention, because in attention, what we like, don't we like to be noticed? And a lot of the things that, that gets us in the traps is attention. We want to be noticed. We want to get along. We want to follow. It's attention. Nobody wants to be... People say, well, I don't want to be called a Bible thumper, so I'll just go the opposite way. I don't want people to know that Jesus is my Savior. What makes you think he is then? The Bible says you deny Christ in front of man. He'll deny you in front of the Father. They wrote this song, and it's it's... It's a powerful song to me. It's about four minutes long. It's all about cages. And it's about these cages of that's the reasons we got stuck in them. As I stand here today and as I'm still the pastor of this church, that's not where God wants you. Amen? That's not where he wants you. That's not where he wants your family, your friends at work, nobody. And he wants to use you to show them the light. Go ahead, John. Turn up a little bit, please.
Good song, huh? You relate to it? We all do in some aspect. I want to open up the tables here this morning, but I want to I want to help just a few more few more. 